there's just something really good about worshiping the name of Jesus. We're starting the Advent season today, and we lit the candle of hope. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting in church, it's really easy to feel hope. It's really easy to feel the powerful name of Jesus, the wonderful name of Jesus. And we get to the point where we go, yeah, I have this hope. I do. And we walk out the doors, and we get to the parking lot, and sometimes something happens where our hope begins to fade right in the parking lot, much less the rest of the week when we go to work, when we go to school, when we look at the news, and we are mindful of how broken our world is, how there's crisis, how there's tragedy, how there's pain and suffering, there's um, terror, there's scandal, there's suicide. And our hope, we just lose all sorts of it. We're just all of a sudden feeling hopeless. And I don't know about you, but long ago, God did author hope. And we need to know that that hope remains, and that hope endures, and that hope does not fail. And so today, we need to realize that the world speaks an anthem of hopelessness. It just does, right? The world speaks out hopelessness. All of those things that we watched up on the newsreel, it speaks out hopelessness. So how then are we going to find the hope? I was looking um, up in, in Scripture in my Bible about the dictionary, in the Bible dictionary, and it was talking about hope. And it said, hope is a confident trust with the expectation of fulfillment. I don't know if that's how you think about hope. This is how I have thought the world teaches about hope. It's kind of a wishful thinking. It's kind of shrugging your shoulders and going, I mean, I hope so. I hope my team wins. I mean, I have hope. It's kind of that emotional, like, eh, I hope. Okay, the Bible says it's confident trust with the expectation of fulfillment. That's what we stand with hope when the world and the anthem of the world speaks hopelessness. That's what you and I need to speak out to that. So today, where are we going to find that hope? Where's that hope going to resonate in us? Well, I'm going to suggest to you that it's in Scripture. I love to watch people. I think watching people is a really great activity, especially around the holidays, right? You go holiday shopping or holiday events, and you just watch people. And it's really kind of comical. And sometimes it's really kind of heartbreaking. But we learn a lot about watching people. We can analyze. I watch people that have older kids than mine and go, how are they maneuvering that? What's that? What was good about that? What was not good about that? I watch people that have good marriages. What's, what's working for them? What's not working for them? And then I learn and I analyze. I want to suggest today to you that God's Word is the biggest people watching that we have available. For generations and generations, we have accounts of people's experiences with God and people's interactions with one another. And so we just get to watch it kind of unfold. We get to learn from it. So if you like to people watch, I'm going to say open your word. I'm also going to say if you want to find the hope 
that is confident trust in the reliance of fulfillment and not the shrug your shoulders. I, re- I mean, I really hope so. You're going to need to open your word. We're going to need to be people who know our word so, because the enemy does not give up, right? The enemy doesn't turn down the volume and go, well, I don't want to speak hopelessness anymore. I mean, it is everywhere. It's on every social media. It's in almost every conversation we have with friends, right? There's elements of hopelessness. So we need to know this word. I want to start out in Romans 15.4. I think it's going to be up on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. It says, For everything was written in the past, was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Everything was written. Everything was to teach us. Why? Not to have some rules. Not to have things that we can't abide by. Not to have things that were like, I don't get this, I don't understand this, I'm just going to close it and put it in a drawer. No, it was left to teach us that through endurance, through encouragement, we might find hope. It's in here. And so today, that's where we're going to look. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to go through all of it. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. We're going to start in the Old Testament. It is um, so many times in the Old Testament, it was spoken of the Messiah was coming, a Savior is coming. Hundreds of times in the Old Testament, it was said. I want to start out in Isaiah 7-4. So Isaiah, if you have your word. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will be called Emmanuel. Now, here's a couple things you need to know about Isaiah. He's a prophet of God, which means he speaks what God says. He doesn't speak on his own. He just declares what God says. And so God says in this moment, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will be with child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation, or salvation is the Lord. Isaiah's name, his very name says, it's a declaration, salvation is coming. The book of Isaiah has 27 times it speaks of salvation. It's the only, it's Of all the other prophets, if they combined all the other prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah has triplicate times of salvation. So we could say that the anthem of Isaiah's life that God had declared over him was salvation. Just talk about it. Declare it. The Savior is coming. So here, he's just declaring the Savior's coming. Now... 700 years pass from the time Isaiah says this. There's other prophecies throughout the Old Testament. That's where we get the 400 years of silence where literally there was no more prophecies. But this, what Isaiah says at this moment, is 700 years. Can you imagine the people that this was declared to all went, oh, yes, the Messiah is coming. Here's what it's going to kind of look like. 
a son is going to be born. Okay. Can you imagine 10 years after that declaration was made? And the people are like, where? Where is it? Come on. Can you imagine 100? How about two? Three? Up to 700. That, I don't know. Do you think a little bit of hopelessness crept in? A little bit of like doubt? Denial? I'm going to say, yeah. The Lord hasn't been that long in promises that he's made to me because, well, I'm not 700. But, man, I get real impatient, right? The Lord speaks things over my life, and I'm like, chop, chop, how about tomorrow? He never does that. But can you imagine 700 years in that time between a promise of hope declared and a promise of hope fulfilled? What do you think the enemy did? He cranked up the volume on hopelessness. Because here's the truth about the enemy. He is the father of lies. His native language is lies. And so he will always speak a counterfeit will. He will always speak a counterfeit word. When the Lord speaks out hope, you know what the enemy speaks? There is no hope. You need to know that for your life today. When the Lord has said something over your life, the enemy will be real quick to say, really? Are you sure about that? It's a counterfeit will. It's a counterfeit word. So in those 700 years, don't you know that the enemy cranked up the volume of hopelessness? And the people of Israel were weary, and they were worried, and they were doubtful, and they were hopeless. So let's fast forward, let's get to the good news, because we get to know in Scripture that good news happened, right? So we're going to fast forward 700 years. If we were using a DVD, we would do scene select, right? We would not sit there and fast forward 700 years. If we had a VHS, we wouldn't even worry about it. We wouldn't even, we'd just like, I'm not even going to watch the end of that movie. If you're under 20, you don't even know what a VHS is, and that's okay. I don't even care. But we would have to, you know, like manually, like wait for it to... So anyway, imagine on the kingdom calendar, 700 years. And then now this time, God doesn't speak through a prophet, but he speaks through an angel. And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It's the very first gospel in the New Testament. And this is how it begins in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you see even in this beginning of the story of Jesus coming to earth, some disappointment comes in, some potential betrayal, some hopelessness. We're sensing Joseph's hopelessness, right? He's saying, this isn't how I thought the story was going. I mean, he's in the middle of preparing for their wedding. I don't know, the spa family's in the middle of preparing for a wedding. It's happening next weekend. So in that season, you're all hopeful and busy and, and getting things done. Can you imagine disappointment intersecting that season? And Joseph, being a righteous man, goes like, I don't, really, I don't really want to deal with this, so I'm just going to quietly divorce her. 
And so we pick up in verse 20 and it says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. An angel speaks, an angel proclaims hope again. They had waited a long time, but hope. Joseph got to know the, one of the first glimpses. Hope is on its way. The promise is going to be fulfilled. He, the angel spoke a word of hope, and that word of hope became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God didn't forget. God didn't fail. God fulfilled. It was not on our timetable. Who wants to sit in silence? But that doesn't mean that God forgot. It doesn't mean that God failed. It means that God's timing wasn't ready for fulfillment. This is the reason that we have a not shrug your shoulders kind of hope. This is the reason because hope fulfilled that we no longer have to go, I mean, I hope Jesus comes. He came. It's fulfilled. We live in that confident trust of an expectation fulfilled because it was fulfilled. Hebrews 10.23 says, let, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Everything the earth shouts at us, all of the hopelessness, every time the enemy says hopelessness, there's no hope. Every time we have a challenge in life that allows hopelessness to sneak in, every time we say back to that hopelessness, no. I have hope. I have confident trust because a promise was fulfilled to me. Every time you might feel hopelessness again, it will come charging in at you again. The anthem of the world is hopelessness. So when you have that coming at you, this is what we go back to. Nope. Every time. No. My hope was fulfilled. A savior came. And I can stand on that. I can be assured of that. And we declare back to the enemy, no. My God is faithful. Whatever circumstance you have in your life today that you will feel hopeless, no. Speak a word back to the enemy. No. My God is faithful. He fulfills. He did not forget me. He did not fail me. He will fulfill the things that he has over my life. When you wake up on Christmas morning this year, this candle of hope ought to wake you up with joy. Ought to wake you up with the power to say, a promise, a promise was fulfilled, and I have confident trust in my Savior. Okay, the very last place that I want you to turn, I promise we're going to sit there for a while, is in Romans, Romans fifteen thirteen. It's one of my most favorite passages. It's one where the Lord and I have journeyed a long time. I think 2009 is what my... Bible has written in it where the Lord really probably spent some time with me to say, we're going we're gonna to figure this thing out. 
you're going to apply this to your life. It has another spokesman of hope. The spokesman of hope for this passage is Paul. He, had, um, he was writing this to the people of Rome not too long after um, Christ had been crucified, after he had been resurrected. And Paul's encounter with the risen Savior happened after that. And he was radically changed forever. And when his writings, we see that radical transformation. He had grown up a, a really great Jewish boy. He knew the prophecies. He could have taught on the prophecies. So when the risen Savior came to him and said, Paul, you and I, we've got business to do, he, he took a hold of that. And he allowed the Lord to radically change his life and move in a new direction. And when he writes to the people of Rome, we get to see a little bit of that confidence. We get to see a little bit of that enthusiasm. And in, so in Romans 15, starting in verse 13, it says this, may the God of hope. I just sense him going, I need you to know this God of hope. I'm so excited about this God of hope because I remember when the Messiah was prophesied and I got to have an encounter with the risen Messiah. And you got to just know, you got to know this God of hope. It is his character. It is his name. And I want you to know him. He's writing to the people and going, I just, I just want you to know him. He's the God of hope. He goes on then to say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. You need to know this today. God is a generous God. He fills us. If you feel empty, that's a lie from the enemy. The Lord Jesus fills us. He fills us. What does he fill us with? Joy and peace. Now, here's some really interesting things about those words. Those are gifts of the Spirit. They're fruit of the Spirit. So when we align our lives and we say, you know what, Jesus, I do need you to be my Savior. I'm going to bend my knee to that. I'm going to align with you. What happens is the Spirit of God comes into our lives and he dwells with us. He walks with us. He encourages us. He counsels us. He ministers to us. He is with us, that Spirit. And when he comes, he brings good gifts, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He brings good gifts into our lives. So I want to suggest today for just the, the um, analogy is the Spirit of God comes with a gift card. A gift card has an undeniable value. When I walked into Quick Trip, I wanted this presentation to be um, sponsored by Quick Trip, just like the Sterling family. <laughs> Um, but no, when you walk into Quick Trip and you buy a gift card, they will take cash or they will take your debit card. They will not take your credit card. It has to have a real value. You really paid money for this, right? So it's undeniable value. It comes. If I give this to you, I'm giving you something with undeniable value. If you discard it, if you never use it, it's worthless. It doesn't mean I didn't give it to you. It doesn't mean you don't have it in your possession. It doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It means you just never used it. 
when the Spirit of God brings good gifts, align with those gifts. Use them. Here's the really great thing about the Spirit of God. He keeps reloading them. We don't run out. You know, it's not a, well, I now used up all my joy. I will never have joy again. You know? So Paul says to the people, the God of hope fills you up with joy and peace. I don't know about you, but these are two words that I don't have by myself. I'm an anxious person. I'm a fearful person. And left to my own, if I respond in my own self, and you can ask my family, there is not joy. I'm very melancholy. And there's definitely no peace. But I know that I've bent my knee to the Lord. And I know that his spirit brings good gifts to my life. And so this is sometimes the process that I go through when the enemy says, be fearful. And I say no, because Jesus says he's the prince of peace. And if he's the prince of peace, then I'm giving him authority to rule and to reign in my life. Rule and reign your peace. I will not act like my flesh. I will act like my savior. And I want you to know, it's not easy, but I want you to know that when I have peace, I know it's from God. When I have joy, I know it's from God. I mean, there's so many times where something will happen and I'll say, Silk, that was Jesus, because you know that that wasn't you. You know that you did not act in the way that was common to you. And that's what Paul's telling the people This God of hope, he fills us up with joy and peace. And it goes on to say, so as we trust in him. Trust means um, assured reliance in the character, the ability, the um, strength, and the truth of someone. A guarantee. We can trust God. I wrote down some of the things on your bulletin about um, just looking at one thing. Why is God trustworthy? Why should I believe Paul to say that he's trustworthy? Well, he said a savior was going to be born. That's his character. He's a savior. His ability. His ability is to save us from our sins. His might. His strength. Zephaniah says he is mighty to save the truth. Jesus declared as he walked on this earth, I am the way and the truth and the life. We can trust that. That's something to rely, a guaranteed on his character. There's about a zillion more if you want to know your word. There's all kinds of reasons why we can trust him. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that we trust in him So, we overflow with hope. We were designed to overflow with hope. We were designed as people that when the Spirit of God comes to us, we can declare to the world. When the anthem of the world speaks out hopelessness, God designed us to be bearers of hope. That his truth and his joy and his peace reign in us that then we overflow with hope. So again, going into Quick Trip, you wanna get a fountain drink, and you go up, 
and you push the button, and well, you get ice, and then you push the button, and I don't know, maybe nobody else has ever had this experience, but you fill it too full, right, because you're preoccupied, or I just really want a lot of caffeine, so I'm like, I want to get it down to the last drop. And then it's so full that you have to make a decision, an awkward decision, standing there. And I'm going to dump a little bit out in the grate underneath there, or am I going to lean forward and kind of slurp a little bit of it out? because it's too full to walk to where the lids are, right? Has anybody ever had that happen? I just, I make coffee at my house every morning and I do that almost every morning where I'm like, am I gonna slurp this and it's like burning my tongue off? But I'm like, I wanna go sit on the couch, but it's too full. So you make this decision because you don't wanna slosh it everywhere, right? God wants us to slosh our hope everywhere. I don't think that's a scriptural word. I don't think that's a spiritual word. I think that's just a word that's good. We want to slosh out our hope everywhere, right? Like a little kid who filled it up too much. Because little kids wouldn't care, right? They'd, I mean, they probably have done this. I don't know. I should ask some of the guys in the back that work at Quick Trip right now. Like, do kids just fill it all the way up and then just walk around and slosh it everywhere? That's how we ought to be as believers, Right? We're going to walk into our workplace. We're going to walk into our schools. We can't even help it because we're overflowing with hope. Because we have confident trust in what Jesus has done. We, have, we know the promises have been fulfilled. So we walk around and we just slosh out hope everywhere we go. Okay, today, if you have a green sticker on your chair, so look like on the back of a chair here, and in the bleachers, I think you sat on it. So look around, wherever it is. See if you have one. If you have one, you get a quick trip cup with a gift card in it. So come on down and get one. (laughs) You can grab it. You're welcome. Thanks, sweetie. Okay, over there. He brought up to make sure, yeah, you did too. Like, yep, this is for real. Colby Lolly, did you really get it? <laughs> awesome. Good to see you. <laughs> did you get one? Awesome. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. One more. <gasps> Yay. Okay. This is what I want you to know. Because we, I mean, we spend a lot of time, right, filling up our gas tanks, filling up caffeine just to survive. Have you ever um, filled up your gas tank and it it sloshes out on you? And that's a really unhappy moment because nobody really, and every time it's ever happened to me, I'm going into a place that I really don't want to smell like gasoline. Not that there's ever a time that you're like, yeah, today's a good day to smell like gasoline. That's great. But sometimes when I've gone, it's like you're going into like a business situation or like a wedding and you're like, I would really rather not smell like gasoline right now. Be real careful with what you fill up with. Real careful. Because you're going to slash that out too. Students, be real careful. Be real careful with what you fill up with. You're spending a lot of time in media and a lot of moments in conversations that that's what's going to slash out. And you're not going to be able to fake it. Adults, we're having a lot of conversations. Politics crises, junk, 
watching things we shouldn't watch, reading things we shouldn't read, having conversations with people we shouldn't have, a, have conversations with, we're gonna slosh it out. And if you're a believer and you slosh that out, it's real ugly. It's the ugliest. So whatever we allow our lives to be filled up, you make sure that it looks like the Spirit of God. It goes on, it ends with saying, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna do it by yourself. You're gonna do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are moved and empowered through the Spirit of God. And that is a whole other than us. That is something that is holy and magnificent. And we just get to declare it. We want to be people like that. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're feeling hopeless, I pray that you can dig through Scripture. Psalms is a great place to go and find a lot of hope. There's a lot of great passages about hope. Go and spend some time. Memorize Romans 15, 13, that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace. I pray that as you celebrate this Christmas, that you will realize that that promise was fulfilled, that Jesus came, that wasn't a forgotten promise. It wasn't something that was a failure of God's. It was fulfilled, and we get to live with that. If you are filled with hope today, I pray that you overflow it to a really broken world, a world that needs our hope, an anthem from the believers against the hopelessness. The shouts of hopelessness will come and that we declare back, no, my God is faithful. My God is hope. I am confident of that. I am trusting in that. I have been assured of that through his word. And I'm going to live that thing out. Let that be the anthem of our lives. That we were people that have hope. That are filled to overflow with joy and peace. How about let's pray. Father, will you take and will you seal everything you desire today. God, we lay our lives down before you and say, fill us up. Fill us up with everything that you are. Fill us up with every good gift of your spirit. Help us to line with that, that every step that we take is in step with the step of your spirit. God, help us to this Christmas decide that you are faithful and good, God, and that you have ushered in hopelessness God, help us to be those people. Empower us through your spirit. In your son's mighty name we pray. Amen.